This is the Men of Athens podcast, making the unknown God known to a very religious world. For more information, check out menofathens.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Men of Athens podcast. I am Thomas Slauson. I am David Berry. <laughs> Coming to you live, pre-recorded here from Gresham, Oregon, the home of uh, the second best hamburger in the Portland area. Okay, you just said we're coming live, pre-recorded. Yes, that was intentional. So, so, all right. <laughs> I think our listeners, our uh, many listeners out there know what I mean. Well, I'm trying to figure out what you mean. But this is the home to what I would say is the second best. Well, actually, no, it is now, we have the, what I think is the best hamburger in the Portland area. What? Killer burger. No. Yes. No. <laughs> they all taste the same. Oh my goodness. You actually think they all taste the same? Listen. Listen, brother in Christ. Yes. Five Guys Burgers and Fries is a superior burger to Killer Burger. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. No. I, I, I've had two or three different of their burgers. At Killer Burger? Uh-huh. And they all tasted the same. Now, it's possible the high schoolers making their burger seasoned it exactly the same so strongly that I couldn't really... I had a blue cheese one. I had a bacon bacon one, whatever it was. Yeah. The peanut butter one would be disgusting. I don't even know why oh, I would try that. Oh, you didn't even try the peanut no. butter pickle bacon? No, 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 no. What we're talking about here, folks, is, uh, is the great burger wars that are going on in the city of Portland. Uh, much debate over the greatest burger in Portland. And I have to say, look... Coming from uh, my roots in Mississippi originally, mm-hmm. you know, they you can get a good burger down there. Don't, don't get me wrong. But when I came up here and realized that how big of a thing it was, this whole burger thing, I was, I was really impressed with just like all the different types you could get, the different places, the competition going on. So there's two places here in Gresham. Uh, you can go over to Portland. There's a lot more places you can, you can try. But right here in our little, little town of 100,000 people, um, we have uh, the local cow, which is just right around the corner. And that actually is the best. And that's not a chain. I th- I think, well, Killer Burger is like a local chain. I mean, they have multiple True. locations. Yes. But uh, local cow is, is, is a solid, is like an excellent burger. Okay, Five Guys is solid. I'll give you that. It's a good burger. I'll receive your giving. But Killer Burger, in my opinion, is the best. And that's a personal preference. The peanut butter pickle bacon burger is phenomenal. It it really is. And Wait, if, you said peanut butter pickle bacon? So is the bacon pickled? No. Peanut butter, comma, uh-huh. pickle, uh-huh. comma, uh-huh. and bacon. If you're using an Oxford comma. If you're not using an Oxford comma, peanut butter, comma, pickle, <laughs> and bacon. I, I don't know if our, the listeners are being edified right now. <laughs> Okay, we are actually going to get to a serious subject today. Uh, we were, uh, you know, just just warming people up. Maybe you're out there driving and you're you're hungry. So um, now that you're hungry, we're going to feed you with some substantial conversation. That was a good segue. Wasn't that good? That was impressive. Oh man! So uh, Dave, um, uh, this past weekend we got to attend a Nine Marks Ministries conference 
at Hinson Baptist Church in downtown Portland. How many guys do you think were there? And I mean, when I say guys, I'm talking generically. How many How many people were there at that yeah. conference? Yeah, well, you're asking a terrible person, but... Well, you are a terrible person. Yes. Yeah. Very solid, reformed answer. You, you are evil, born in yes, sin. Yes, yes, yes. Terrible. Okay. As well as a terrible counter. Yeah. 250? Yeah, I would say that. I, w- I would I would have guesstimated around 250 to 300. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and n- what are the, what what's nine marks? Well, I was going to ask you that. Since, oh, okay. since I, th- I figured we were talking about it, one of us should know the answer yeah. to that. Yeah. But uh, so I'll go, since you asked me, I'll go ahead and and, and say. So I kind of want to answer. <laughs> you go ahead and answer that. No, yes. but after you. No, go ahead. Okay. Please, I insist. I will say this, Nine Marks is a parachurch organization mm-hmm. that ironically is, well, the, the irony is, in my estimation, there is no other ministry that I am aware of, from my limited perspective, that thinks more deeply, more broadly, and more biblically about what the Bible says about the local church. Yes. So I think the tagline on, on one of the books of theirs I have on my table here is Building Healthy Churches. So they're not going to call themselves the nine marks of a healthy church, just nine marks of a healthy church. Mm-hmm. There's other marks that are important, but these are ones that historically the founder of the ministry, Mark Dever, has seen where the at least the church in the West, the American church, has deviated or not been concerned or careful about what the church looks like and is supposed to act like derived from the Bible. Yes. And, and let me clarify. So... For, for those out there who might not be familiar with the term parachurch, you said it's a parachurch mm. ministry. So yep. it's important to keep in mind, uh, parachurch is a ministry which in some ways resembles a church, but is not a church. So there's a distinction to be made between a local church where you have uh, biblical offices of elder, deacon, you have preaching, you have uh, regular gatherings that take place, worship, all of those different types of ministries taking Maybe place. Maybe nine marks. Maybe nine marks. Yeah. Um, the parachurch is a, a ministry that exists, which can be an extension of the church. Yeah, literally it means alongside. Alongside, next to yes. The church. Now, unfortunately, and this isn't today's topic. Maybe it could be at some point. There, sure. there are situations where I would say, unfortunately, parachurch ministries have begun to usurp the, the calling of the local church. But Nine Marks Ministry is all about uh, really seeing churches become healthy in, mm-hmm. in the sense of, mm-hmm. of, of so it, it brings church leaders together, it brings congregants together with the purpose of let's, let's talk about these very important things, let's see where they are in scripture so that you can go back and really help your church grow in spiritual health in, in a number of ways. And so it's never, ever designed to take place of the local church. It's really to strengthen yeah. the local church. Yeah, uh, kind of like a portable seminary. That's, yeah. maybe, that's not the best illustration, but their, their ministry is to equip and educate local churches with what the Bible teaches regarding the local church. That's, that's why it's ironic. Yeah. I, uh, speaking of ironic, have you ever thought it's kind of funny that Nine Marks Ministries was founded by a guy whose name is Mark Dever? That's also ironic. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. ironic. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was intentional because... We should ask him. <laughs> yeah, next time I, I get a chance to talk with Mark Dever, I'll ask him, did you name it after yourself? Because I'm sure in the, what, 20 years the ministry has been around, 
He's never, ever had that question posed to him. Yeah, before. unlikely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so the conference this weekend. Yes. It was, um, it was great. Uh, it was a Friday night, uh, two sessions, and then, um, what was it, six or seven sessions on uh, the following Saturday, all day long. Uh, great fellowship, I would say, with just a lot of different guys that were there. Mainly, a lot of guys from our church went, mm-hmm. and uh, very encouraging. So the nine marks, or not the nine marks, forgive me, I didn't mean to put a definite article in for that. Nine marks of a healthy church are these nine characteristics, these nine biblical characteristics of uh, a healthy church. And the first one is... The first one is expositional preaching. Expositional preaching. Yeah, which is what the topic of the conference that we're so, at. So not just preaching. No, yeah. Expositional preaching. Ah. So the question mm. is... Yes. What does that mean? What is expositional preaching? So, expositional preaching to exposit the text um, is when the point of the preaching is the point of the text at hand. So, it's just saying what the text says. Mm. There's more involved in preaching, but if but expositional preaching stays faithful to the text where it doesn't become a piece of silly putty in my hand that I uh, uh, quote a passage of scripture and then just use it as a launch pad to preach my own thoughts, ideas, opinions, perspectives, ideologies. It's, it's saying what God says. Okay, so can you, can you maybe give for someone who's saying, okay, give, give me a concrete example. What would... What would a non-expositional sermon look like? I'm going to throw you out. I'm going to put you on the hotbed there for a second. Uh, let's see. Okay, I'm just going to wing it right here. I have on my desk, I'm opened up to Acts chapter 20. I think something the Apostle Paul here pertains to expositional preaching. But here he's, he's on the beach in Miletus. He's talking to the Ephesian elders, and then he goes through many verses of rehearsing his ministry among them. So someone could use this and then develop five points on leadership and how to maximize your leadership in the local church and in Mm. the business place. That is absolutely not the point of this passage. The point of this passage is to invest the local elders to remind them of the ministry they've been in charge to and uh, they've been charged with rather and then to commend them to the lord to pass that baton as it were and to move along so so someone could look at this and um make something along those lines i see yeah have you ever heard the the statement before um so and so preached a great sermon but on the wrong passage yeah 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 Yeah. i've heard many sermons like that yeah the right truth from the wrong text the right yeah yeah. So there there are truths which can be thoroughly biblical. Mm-hmm. But if you go and find, a, a supposedly find a proof text in which you say, oh, this supports this idea that I have. And, and so you might actually be saying what is true, but you're not saying it from the right place in Scripture. And that would be the best example of bad 
expository (laughs) preaching. (laughs) And a bad example of bad expository preaching is when the truth is not even proclaimed. Mm. Where uh, You say that would be a a bad example of expository oh, preaching or topical? Yeah, what 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 I'm what I'm what I'm kind of getting at here is I see is I'm doing a play on words. Uh, basically, a graded system where if if biblical truth is being preached, mm-hmm. praise God, it ought to be carefully preached from texts that proclaim that very truth. But there are many cases out there of. Um, preaching that is just merely sentimentalism, telling of stories. So it is the pulling on emotions and self-motivating, and it's nothing more than a self-help talk that uses Bible's pretext for proof text to, mm. to have your, uh, have a, have a good life. Yeah. Well, let me share a quick story with you because I would say, by and large, a lot of the uh, preaching that I was exposed to uh, as early on in my life, childhood, adolescence, was not expository. Hmm. That kind of sounds funny to say it that way, because expository means to expose. Yeah. You're exposing what's in the text. Yeah. So I was exposed to non-expositional mm-hmm. preaching. Um, so I, I go off to college and um, am in a church where it's still not really expositional preaching going on, kind of really became disillusioned because there was a lot of hobby horsing going on from the pastor every every Sunday, um, a lot of soapboxing, a lot of... Actually, I, I remember there actually being sermons where there was no scripture read at all. So let me interject right there. Yeah. It could be something where, as another example, just to underscore what you're saying... It's, it's the sermon that on any given text, eventually the topic of politics comes up for this preacher. Right. Or the rapture. Or, or God's sovereignty. I mean, f- fill in the blank of whatever a favorite topic or doctrine is. Yes. And inevitably, every text gets to that topic when that might not even likely isn't the topic at hand. Right. Sorry. Sorry. No, I, you're, you're precisely... Yeah. You're 100% correct. And in the case of uh, this particular minister at the time, every single text, if he read a text, every single sermon was how to be sure you are saved. Huh. Now, the that is an important subject. Yeah. That is an important subject in Scripture. Scripture does say to make your calling and election sure. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't say it in every single verse. Correct. In every single passage. Correct. So it, what ends up happening is you have a lot of people who are not really growing in the Word because they're not being taught the Word. There's this one very, very narrow aspect mm. of um, a biblical truth that just gets proclaimed over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes even without an accompanying text. So there were times when, I don't even know if you could call it a sermon if someone just gets up and they're just saying the same thing without actually having any kind of text to go along with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So all that to say that uh, I was at kind of a critical stage in my life. Um, this would be my junior year of college where I was just worn out because every single sermon was the same. It was kind of a reclusive church, you know, everybody, it's like, we kind of do our own thing, all these other big modern churches out there that have the praise bands and stuff, 
you know, they're 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 not really following the Bible. But yet, I was I was what was the cultural idea of the church you were part of. Yes, that yeah. was the cultural yeah. idea of the church. Mm-hmm. So, but at the same time, I was meeting other Christians who went to these supposedly, you know, really modern compromising type churches and there was there was piety there was love for Christ that was mm. going on there so mm. there was this conflict that between what i had heard and what i was experiencing mm-hmm. so i started kind of visiting around uh, a lot of different churches and i i ended up at a church um, in jackson mississippi uh, a well-known congregation first presbyterian church part of the Presbyterian Church in America, PCA, the conservative evangelical branch of Presbyterianism, and um, a well-known pastor, uh, Ligon Duncan, mm-hmm. uh, who's involved with Together for the Gospel, Gospel Coalition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he now is Chancellor of Reformed Theological Seminary. He was the pastor at the time, and it was really my first exposure mm. to expository preaching. Now, I'll let you in on a little bit of secret. I Ooh. started going there. Yes. Not because of the preaching, but because of the music. Electric guitarists? No, the exact opposite. I was a music major, and they had a choir of about 110 people. Very traditional church, non-liturgical in the sense that they didn't follow the church calendar, but very traditional, uh, excellent excellent m- music in, in a very traditional sense. But I went there because I wanted that, but then uh, got exposed to expository preaching. Yeah. And he had recently, I would say within within a couple of months, had just replaced the previous pastor who had retired um, and was starting Sunday morning in Matthew, mm. Sunday evening in Genesis. Hmm. And it was the first time that I really was on a steady diet of expository preaching. And I can just say this, and, and some people say I might be looking at this through rose-colored glasses, but to this day, I, I will tell you clearly that that was a life-changing hmm. experience for me to have a steady diet. And mm-hmm. this, this is the Deep South, so a lot of churches had Sunday morning, Sunday evening service. Um, to have a steady diet of the Word preached mm-hmm. Sunday morning, Sunday evening. Mm-hmm. Where the point of the text was the point of the preaching. Right. Yeah. There was not... Um, when... Uh, Dr. Duncan would step in the pulpit. There was not this agenda mm. of, okay, I've got this point, this mm-hmm. you know favorite little thing of mine that I mm-hmm. want to get across to you today. So I'm going to find a text and do it. Mm-hmm. He, there was this humble submission to the text. Uh, when he finished one section of Genesis or one section of Matthew, we knew that the next Sunday he's going to be picking up where he left off, mm-hmm. and. He he was going to have to come to that text and face it, whether or not it was an easy passage to explain or mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. And um, there was always, like, I remember at that time, the Lord was just really beginning to work in my heart. Mm. That it just began to settle me in the assurance of my salvation, all of those things. Thinking ahead, it's like, he's going to have to tackle that passage next week. Yeah, Boy, that's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> that's I mean that 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 hungry attitude yeah. for the Word of God is every attitude that we're supposed to have. I think uh, one one contrast to bring up would be you mentioned a few moments ago topical preaching. Mm-hmm. So topical preaching, as the name implies, I might sit down in my office and think of a series on leadership, on servant leadership, 
um, whatever it, it is. So I think of a topic, and then I go to the Bible, and I look for passages that talk about that topic, and then preach it. That That's, that's not bad mm-hmm. uh, in my estimation, and I think in most preachers' estimation. In this regard, uh, I heard this quip once, uh, I'm fine with topical sermons as long as the topic you're preaching is the topic in the text. Right. Which is right. just basically another one-off exp- expositional sermon. So, for example, if I'm preaching through um, the Old Testament, I've done this in the past, I do a series on the Old Testament, and then I might do a topical series on the person and work of Christ, and then each week look at a passage from John, a passage from... So where the where, what we're learning about Christ is drawn from that passage. So... So you can do topical series and topical messages expositionally. Right. And that's being faithful to the text. What what often can happen is proof texting, mm. where, where, where verses are taken that may not mean what the person thinks it means, but they're used to support an idea. And so that's a bad example of topical preaching where... Uh, they're given a meaning that they're not exactly mm. supposed to have. No, and I, I totally see your point there. Yeah, mm. even when when I was part of that church and then later on moved to a different church where expository preaching was done, there were times and seasons of topical sermons that were preached in an expository manner. Yeah. And, and one prime example for a lot of people would be, I mean, coming up here soon, it's going to be Easter. Mm-hmm. So to pick a kind of what you said a one-off sermon Mm -hmm. on the resurrection Mm -hmm. on easter sunday it's great it's great or or christmas yeah um i even remember at um times of national tragedy Mm -hmm. um i remember after 9 11 sermons being preached that like you say were very very faithful to the text Mm -hmm. that were focused on um trusting god in the midst Mm -hmm. of of tragedy or focusing on god's sovereignty even in the midst of an evil and broken world. So we are not anti-topical. Correct. We are anti-misuse of the text. Absolutely <laughs> correct. That's a great way of saying it. You know, and then another thing that came up when you use um, your, the illustration from your past about the uh, Sunday morning being Matthew and Sunday evening Genesis, mm-hmm. one thing that's often tied to people who are passionate about and convinced of expositional preaching is preaching the whole Bible. So, for example, I have open Acts 20, talked about a few moments ago, and the Apostle Paul is going back to Jerusalem, and he knows that he is going to uh, face many trials. He doesn't know if he's going to survive. But but, but one thing that he says to them, which which is pretty amazing, is he he gives his testimony how he did not, this is verse 20 of chapter 28, I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he goes on to say um, in verse 27, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So you get the snapshot of his ministry where he is a teaching and preaching machine, right? He's out there, he's proclaiming the word of God, house to house in the public. But at the same time, 
his aim when he was in Ephesus is that he didn't shrink back from declaring the whole counsel of God. He says, says it a little bit later that he's, he's innocent of their blood. So I, I think what we're seeing here in the text and um, other passages, we can go to the pastoral epistles to Timothy and how he says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Uh, earlier he says, all scriptures breathe out by God unprofitable. And, and all that, as we think about what the word of God is, pushes us as preachers or communicators of the word of God to preach the whole counsel of God. That is, for us, Genesis to Revelation. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, if, say a listener is um, currently looking for a church, I would say the first thing that you need to look for before you look for the music and see how, how it makes you feel, before you look at some of the amenities with student ministries and youth ministry and things along those lines, it must be how the Word of God is handled week in, week out, in the pulpit specifically, and then among the elders generally in mm-hmm. relationship to the congregation. And so a good way to do that is to go on the website, see if they have all the sermons listed, and just look at what the preaching has looked like over mm-hmm. the past years to know, is this, is this a church that will, over time, preach the whole counsel of God to me? Um, if I can go on that a little bit further, a... a, a professor who's had profound impact on me is known for saying that the Bible is the true story of the world. And and, and somewhere an illustration came along where uh, many of us have stories or that we read when we were younger, movies, that we we long to live into that and live in that story or or be a character in that book. That's what the Bible is supposed to be. Mm. The Bible's the true story of the world. It's how the world works best. We are characters on its pages. So we need to know the story of our lives, and you only get that through expositional preaching through the whole Bible. Yeah, absolutely. Just want to make and, that point. No, yeah. and and I I agree with you. And and sitting here listening to what you're saying, it it struck an idea that I think it's important to make because you talked about don't choose a church because of the music or whatever other ministry. And that now, they're important. They're, they're important. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I would say, I'm going to make an audacious claim here. Oh, boy. But I think it's true, and I think okay. you agree with me. Okay. Um, that it is essential that the church, that the preaching at a church be solid. Um, hang on, let me rephrase this. I don't want to say, it, I know there's a lot of churches out there that that are wonderful, loving people. Mm-hmm that don't have expository preaching. So it's not saying you're you're not saved or you're not actually a true church if you know, but and we're not saying leave your church necessarily. No, 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 no. No. Good good No, but it's it's talking about if you're moving to an area you're looking yes. for a church or if you're trying to recommend a church mm-hmm. for someone to go to, you mm-hmm. want to look for this this mark. But you mentioned all these other ministries which are good cuz I I'll hear some I'm I'm kind of hypothetically hearing some feedback saying, "Well, what about outreach? What about missions? What about you know, all of these other whatabouts. But the key here is, I believe, and I've seen it with my eyes, that if the preaching is expository and solid, all of those other ministries will really flow from that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of like if you say, well, we're going to have a good program X and a good program Y and a good music ministry and a good youth ministry, but the preaching is sloppy and the preaching is the word of God is not handled well, those other ministries, by and large, will naturally kind of fall into 
weakness and yeah. begin to atrophy. And so good expository preaching is going to lead to health in other areas of the church. Yeah, this is, I think, both an experience of my life. This is true. As the pulpit goes, so goes the church. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that would be a summation of what you just said. So we, we want uh, beautiful musical worship to the Lord. We, we want amazing, fruitful student ministries. Uh, we want to reach the lost. We want to serve. And all of that is going to come from healthy Christians. And healthy Christians, the Bible lets us know over and over again, only become healthy on the healthy diet of the Word of God. Right? So Jesus quoting Deuteronomy, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Right. Every word. And it's not... And, and that's another implication of, of all of Scripture. So w- a, another benefit of thinking, of going through the whole Bible, is that guard against choosing only easy texts or texts that I'm interested in. So at any given time, a culture is going to have aspects of culture will will mesh with the Bible. So the Bible is about justice. Yeah. And we live currently in a really big justice age. Praise God for that. But the Bible also has a lot to say about sexuality and gender, which are contrary to the quick drift of our culture right now. And and people aren't going to like that. So a a preacher could be tempted to not preach texts Mm. on sexuality, gender, marriage, and things along those lines. Masculinity, femininity from the Bible's perspective might avoid those things. Um, But expositionally makes you go through them all. On the flip side of that, Dave, flip it. you can have uh, a fist-pounding fundamentalist preacher who only ever talks about that, mm-hmm. homosexuality. And yeah. I, I mean, my mind yeah. goes here to good point. Um, the, the, the crazy Westboro Baptist uh, Fred Phelps yeah. uh, people out mm-hmm. of Topeka, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's all they ever talk about. Mm-hmm. And, and so any— Who, who by their uh, actions portray a false gospel. Correct. Correct. Who by their actions portray a false gospel. Exactly right. Um, so by avoiding every other biblical truth, because they, the biblical truths work together. Yes. Um, you can't, you, if, you, if you talk about uh, passages in Scripture that talk about whether it be homosexuality or gender or all mm-hmm. of those, you, you, have to, you have to start with Genesis and created mm-hmm. in the, the image and likeness of God, male and female, the purpose of marriage, the mystery of marriage in Ephesians chapter 5. You, you have to talk about Jesus's interactions with sinners, with people caught in adultery, his, his mercy and compassion towards them, telling them that their sins are forgiven, but to go and sin no more. You have to incom- incorporate the entirety of the word of God. Yeah. into that conversation or else you're going to be just you're going to be preaching a gospel of works yeah. essentially and yeah. you're going to be preaching truth without any grace because mm-hmm. truth, grace and truth go together mm-hmm. in all of that you know and another in the past oh i mean it's been in the academy in seminaries a conversation going on but really at the among evangelicals at the pew level the last decade there's been a beautiful increased awareness, a recovery of the reality that the Bible is a book, one big book telling one large overarching story of the gospel of Jesus Christ centered on his person and work, death, 
resurrection. But because it's a single story, that necessarily demands that the whole thing be talked about. And that's what you're pointing out. Yeah. Where, where we want to know all of God's mind, all, all of the story. Um, so, yeah, the point being, if you move through the whole Bible, you're going to cover everything the whole Bible talks about. Yeah. By and large, there, there are ways that you can... So this is probably helpful. Um, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Put you on the spot. Can you preach an entire book in one sermon expositionally? Yes. Okay. Why do you think? <clears throat> because I believe you you can. You're obviously going to miss a lot of things if you do mm-hmm. that. But the point of what you're trying to do is to say, what was, let's take Romans, for example. What was Paul's intent, main thesis in writing this book. And I believe you can do that. You can faithfully exposit Mm -hmm. what the general overarching view, the the big idea of Romans is in one sermon. Mm -hmm. Um, Mark Dever, the the founder of Nine March Ministries, uh, did that very thing when he became pastor of Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. He began with his uh, congregation uh, preaching through the entire Bible. And I I believe, I I don't have it right here in front of me right now, I believe he did like a general overview. He did an expository sermon on the entire Bible. Yes. Um, And then led off with going through each book, preaching a sermon on each book, giving the big idea behind each one, mm-hmm. the main idea. What is mm-hmm. what? Why why is this book in the Bible? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can actually um, buy the set. That's a two part set: the Old Testament, New Testament in mm-hmm. in book form, mm-hmm. and um, very handy reference to have if you've ever thought to yourself, what what you know, what's the content of that book? Mm-hmm. You can you can go read it. Um, so absolutely, yes. Yeah. So here's so, and I and I think that's correct. There's a flip side to that that I don't think works. And it's this, and this is a danger, and this comes from the, the tradition I came out of a, a bit. Within expo- expositors, or ex- expositional preaching, it's not uncommon to hammer the uh, verse by verse, verse by verse. Mm-hmm. So you open our Bible, and you see there's chapters that divide up a book, and then there's verses that divide up chapters. Those are not inspired. Those were added late. They are a gift. They, help, they are a topographical map that helps us navigate into the text to find stuff. Um, but at the same time, the, the Bible operates, uh, it's a, it's a, there's a fancy term called discourse analysis. Mm-hmm. And that just means let's pay attention to the conversation taking, uh, taking place. Um, so in discourse analysis, the, the thought being communicated by the author is larger than a phrase mm-hmm. and usually even a sentence because a sentence is embedded, embedded in a paragraph and a paragraph is in a larger section of thought. So all that to say, my point here is, yes, we could do an overview of the whole Bible at 100,000 feet. We can do an overview of a book of Genesis at 30,000 feet. But to do a single verse actually becomes very difficult to be faithful to exposit because if you're saying this verse is saying one thing, uh, there, there's a, there can be a danger there, and, and that that's one way hobby horsing can uh, can happen. So this, the point is, you want to make sure that the that you don't go so small or maybe so big that you lose sight 
of yeah. what the text is actually saying. And I've, I've heard sermons like that before. Yeah. Um, and in many ways, they were very good sermons. I mean, but it's it's almost like uh, one example I was just looking up here on in my Bible. Um, a sermon on James, James chapter 1. The sermon was this. It said, James... And this was in the New American Standard. So in the in the ESV, it says James, a servant of God. In the in the New American Standard, bond servant of God, literally a slave mm-hmm. of God. The entire sermon was spent on the meaning of the word, what it's what it means to be a a servant of God. Mm-hmm. Now that's that's a worthy topic to up to, to so that'd be take a to- that'd be a topical. It's a topical sermon, right? And I think you could establish grounds for it. He's introducing himself. Um, but but here yeah, here's on. where it went. So sermon number one, James, a bond servant. Next week, sermon number two, a bond servant of God. Sermon number three, the next week, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> sermon number four, the next week, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. How many years did it take to get through the James? Well, um, I won't. I won't give you the rest. Sure, I, I won't go into that. But suffice it to say, I think there. You're right. There can be overkill because part of the inspiration of the text is the conversation that's going on. Yeah. And if you begin to lose sight of, it, I mean, it, it's kind of like saying, "Let's go enjoy the forest," and we go out into the forest. And the first thing that we do is begin scooping up dirt and looking at it under a magnifying glass. Yeah. You, you're not there to enjoy the forest. You're there to examine the dirt in the forest. Mm-hmm. So it's you You can definitely lose the big picture by going overkill. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, rest his soul, amazing, amazing preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones. How, how many years did he spend in Romans? It was like 11 years. Uh, I don't know. A lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, there was a reference like some person. Well, yeah. That's that's a bit much. Um, so I would I would say, um, probably coming to a close. Yeah, wrapping it up here. But I, I would say one other feature that we didn't talk about, which so we, we is this. In expositional preaching, Jesus Christ is the goal, purpose, and reason that mm-hmm. preaching is happening in the first place. Right. And so no text of Scripture is um, finally read until it's fully interpreted in light of Christ. Mm. So maybe, so we've talked about different features of expositional preaching and topical preaching and whatnot, but just in preaching in general, faithful to the text, every text uh, brings us to Christ. And it's a related topic, but Christ at the center is is the heart of expositional preaching. Yes, absolutely. Uh, before we wrap things up here, a couple of quick, uh, couple of quick housekeeping uh, things to note. So um, if you've been listening to podcast... Is my office dirty? Your office is filthy. No, um, a couple of you have been subscribing. I think we're up to like 75 subscribers now. We've had a number of listeners. Um, we have swapped platforms for the podcast because the one that I originally started with, I realized that after you get a certain number, they're going to start charging you a lot of money. I was like, oh, should have noticed that beforehand. So we swapped over. For those of you who have subscribed on iTunes, you shouldn't have to change anything. If you're on Google Play, um, I think what's going to happen is you're going to have to go back and resubscribe. So for the time being, uh, we're trying to figure that out because the the platform I'm using is apparently having some issue with Google You're Play. Blah blah blah. blah just blah, you, just Thomas is figuring it out, not me. Yes, but you can go to 
menofathens.com and listen to all of the episodes there. Download them to your uh, device, whatever that might be. And if you have any questions, if this topic today has angered you fiercely <laughs> or made you happy, or if you have a question, you can email those to questions at menofathens.com. Dave, this has been a great, great time talking about this with you today. Always have fun. Yeah, I love, I love the topic. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so this has been the Men of Athens podcast. I am Thomas Lawson. I'm Dave Barry. Our prayer for you is that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. You've been listening to the Men of Athens podcast. If you have a question or comment that you would like us to address on a future episode, email us at questions at menofathens.com. And please consider subscribing on iTunes or Google Play.